Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to On the Continent, your definitive guide to the week in European football. I'm Dotton Adebayo. I'm Andy Russell. And I'm Nikki Bandini. On this edition, when the Italian champions took on the Spanish champions, what a tasty dish a calzona was to set before a Neapolitan. Also, it's Rimarco Bull. Anatovic comes good just when Inter needs him. And after Bayern, where next? For Thomas Tuchel, come summer. Nikki, when the Italian champions take on the Spanish champions in the Champions League, you expect it to be a game with fire, was it? It's it's so hard to think of them even as the Italian champions anymore, Dotton. That's how far things have gone in the last... Um, how many months is it since they won the league? I'm not going to have to do that math in my head. I was going to say six months. It's more than six months, but since, uh, since May. Um, but the... Uh, Napoli right now, they're, they're 27 points off the top of Serie A. Inter feel very much like the Italian champions because they're clearly going to win it this season. And Napoli are a, a mid-table side. They're ninth. Now, Barcelona have had their own fall. They're champions who are also not looking very likely to contend for the title. But there are scales and scales. And coming into this game, as you've just alluded to in your intro with the Calzona reference, uh, their third manager of the season uh, already, um, someone who had... 48 hours or so to prepare for this game. Um, I think it's sort of a miracle that we got a game of football at all, actually, because <laughs> at, at 2pm uh, on Tuesday, local time in, in Naples, Napoli was supposed to have their first training session under Calzona. 
and he wasn't even there because he was still being introduced to people or in some cases reintroduced because he had been at the club before. So that's how that's how short the preparation for this game was. Uh, was there fire? I think there was, actually. I think Napoli, by the end of the game, and this is certainly what Calzona wanted to dwell on at the, get, the end, had shown some fighting spirit, had come together. They had a very rough start to the game. The first 20 minutes or so, it looked like they were going to just completely come apart and, and no one would have been shocked. Um, but in the second half, perhaps Calzona showed some some indication of, of his backbone as well by immediately taking out Kvitschikaratskelia, who wasn't having a good game, but that's a statement to come in and immediately take out. When they were still losing yeah, as, as well. It, it felt like quite an early hill to plant your flag into, didn't it? Yeah, and Kvitschikaratskelia didn't make it easy for him, made it very clear right away that he wasn't happy about being substituted. Mm. So so he showed straight away some some character and I don't know, sometimes it's that whole classic sports journalism thing. Are we just writing our narrative to fit what the sort of random events happen at the end? Victor Osman gets his one chance and he takes it. Uh, and that changed the story and, and Napoli don't lose. And I think they're probably still going to lose the tie, but they, they did show some fight and they did have chances to, to, to go 2-1 up. And um, I think um, if nothing else, there's a very easy contrast to draw with at the weekend, they drew one all with Genoa, newly promoted side who haven't been tearing up any trees. And they needed a injury time equaliser even in that game from Cyril Ngonge, who's a January signing. And they, they were jeered, they were whistled, their fans were unhappy about it. At the end of this game, the Sergio Diego Maradona, which is always going to give you some fire on a Champions League night. You had that even before kickoff. Um, but was was applauding them and and thanking them and I think that sort of is as good a first step you can ask for for Calzona now whether it means anything whether it's all going to end in even more tears who knows but yeah I, I thought given the ludicrous circumstances in which they were preparing for this game it's probably about as good as they could hope for. Well talking of those circumstances third manager in a season what's going on there? Yeah, it's. I think anyone who listens to this podcast has, has heard this story in stages, um, at least parts of it. Obviously, last season they won the league under Luciano Spalletti. They played some of the best football in Europe. Aurelio De Laurentiis, the owner, has been talking about that in the last week, saying, oh, this time last year we thought we could win the whole thing. We should have gone on to win the whole thing. And they could have done. Um, but uh, De Laurentiis' relationship with Spalletti was difficult for a long time um it started to boil over when uh, de laurentis uh, decided to unilaterally uh, trigger the clause in spalletti's contract which would have given him a one-year contract extension spalletti felt like well i've got the team on the way to win the league actually there should have been a conversation and a renegotiation and i should have been um, asked how i felt about this and, and rewarded and rewarded and um and so they parted ways at the end of the season um, perhaps that would have happened anyway. Perhaps Spalletti was looking around and going, I've done everything that I can do here and I can see that there's going to be an implosion to follow this. That is certainly one theory. But regardless, De Laurentiis didn't handle the situation well. De Laurentiis then hires Rudy Garcia. Um, Rudy Garcia comes in and at his opening press conference says, I didn't watch Napoli last season. Uh, De Laurentiis <laughs> has since said he should have fired him then and there and got rid of him that day, but he didn't. And... Do you know, looking back on it now, it feels like the time under Rudy Garcia, everyone should be asking themselves, was it really that bad? Because they were fourth. I mean, they were a long way off their title winning pace, but they weren't 
in the streets they are now. Walter Matsadi is the next appointment. Had been there a decade ago. Had done some really good things in that um, first chapter. I think he. Did you say a decade ago? You did say a, a decade ago. <laughs> a decade ago. It's mad when you say it out loud. Yeah, isn't it? I mean it's. Um, as I'm being imprecise, um, but it's it's about that. Yeah, it is, and, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and um, and they did some good things. They 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 played some great football. They. Um, I always go back to that Champions League clash with Chelsea in the season that Chelsea go on to win the Champions League. Napoli really knocked, really nearly knocked them out. Edinson Cavani was playing brilliantly. Um, and Man deserves credit in the career progression of Cavani. He was really a, a manager who helped untap him. But in recent years, who has Walter Man been? He's been a, a mid to lower table manager who's been going around clubs and playing not especially inspiring defensive football. So he's there for 17 games in total. If we just look at the 12 league games he's at Napoli, they scored nine goals in 12 league games. It's a team that scored 70 goals in Serie A last season. No team in Serie A scored fewer goals during the weeks that um, the Mazzari was in charge of Napoli. They were the, the lowest scoring team in the whole division. Um, they slipped from fourth to ninth. And yes, after the weekend and the draw with Genoa, um, De Laurentiis decides he needs to change again brings in Francesco Calzona who is the manager of the Slovakia national team agrees to a job share I have a theory about this appointment um, the the facts to say about Calzona are he was the Napoli manager sorry Napoli assistant manager under um, Maurizio Sarri first and Luciano Spalletti second he wasn't there for the title winning season but he had worked under both those past two managers so if you're looking for um Again, the same term that was applied to uh, Mazzari when he took the job, traghettatore in Italian, the ferryman, the caretaker, we just want to get to the end of the season. You can point to that obvious case for Calzano. Look, he knows the environment. Both of those managers played 4-3-3. We played our best football last season, a 4-3-3. Give him a go. In reality, he has never managed as a first-team manager a club side before, only the Slovakian national team. Um, my- Which he's still managing. Yes, which he's still managing. They've qualified for the Euros, so some some success. My my pet theory about this, personally, um, Calzona's assistant for the Slovakia national team is Marek Hamzik. Now, Marek Hamzik is a club legend in, in Naples. Um, I think if you've ever been to Naples and you go around the Spanish quarter, and I've certainly talked about this on the show before, like there are just tributes and places to literally worship Jaeger Maradona everywhere you go, murals, little sort of, um, uh, I don't even know what to Shrines. Yeah, shrines, that's the word I was looking for. But there's also murals of other players and dedications to other players. And I would say after Maradona, Hamzik might be number two. There's there's not many others who are, who are getting as much as he does. Mm. So Hamzik is a figure who absolutely would be popular coming back. And my theory is that De Laurentiis went to Calzona thinking, well, he's got Hamzik's assistant for the national team. He'll bring him along. And Hamzik has sort of said, actually, I've got enough on my plate right now, um, maybe in the future. So I, I think De Laurentiis was hoping he'd get Marek Hamzik into the bargain for this one, but she hasn't. Although he did invite him for a meeting with the Barcelona directors, didn't he, before the, be, be, before the game? Almost as if to say, yeah, this is my... This is my status symbol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sort, sort of thing. I, I think Hamzik will be the Napoli manager at some point. I mm. think, I, but I do think that in De Laurentiis' mind, maybe even casting an eye at, at Roman De Rossi and what's happened, yeah. the idea of bringing back a club legend to at least the fans would be like, okay, you get a free pass because it we love you. It protects you from a, yeah. a, a certain amount of ire, doesn't, doesn't it? But I think when, when we're talking about crises and 
levels of crises. Or obviously, it's it's a bit ridiculous comparing them. But having said that, when you were saying before, Nikki, actually, that Napoli's crisis is much more profound, I think in terms of where they are in in the league, fair enough, you've got a point. But as we said at the end of last season, Napoli's last campaign was glorious. The football was glorious. The manner was glorious. The result was glorious. The fact that they won it for the only time without Diego Maradona was glorious. But they're not expected to win it season after season after season. So that is a slightly different angle. So whereas what has undermined Xavi this season is the fact that they won the double last season and that was quite an achievement, as, as, as David said before. But you don't, you don't get a pat on the back for that. You get expected to do it again and again and again. It's like, yeah, that was pretty good. But we were still crap in the Champions League. We still, <laughs> we still didn't get through the Champions League group stage. So not only are they putting up a really bad title defence, not only have they been schooled by Real Madrid, schooled by Girona, for goodness sakes. You know, they're, they're, well, for how club- much longer? But we'll, well, we'll that, wait and see on that. Well, they they already were mm. at home. They were they conceded five to Girona. So whether they catch them or not, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see. I don't I don't think it really matters at this point because Barcelona simply are not going to win La Liga. That, that's that's where we are at the moment. Everything rides on this for them. Everything sports wise, obviously Xavi's coming to an end anyway, so it, it doesn't really affect his future in 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 that sense. But in terms of the direction in which the project's going, so that Juan Laporta, the president, has, has stood there and said, oh yeah, everything, everything, everything's still fine. Sports-wise, we're looking good. Financially, we're looking good. Anyone in the, on nodding terms with reality knows that is not the case. And I think the sense is as well, okay, you could, you could spin it one way and say they've, they've, they've come out of the Champions League group last season. They've come out of the Champions League group this season because they're not in the same group as Inter and Bayern this time, <laughs> which makes a, a massive difference. And they've got a draw against a name of substance in Napoli, but one that they really should be beating on current form. And when you have Xavi sitting there in the press conference afterwards going, oh, well, we should have won. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, yeah, but you didn't. It's, honestly, you dominated the game and you did not win it. You allowed a team that had one shot on target to take a draw for you. Okay, you want Ozymen to have that one shot on target, I think it's fair to say. So, really, for them to go back and say, well, we're, we're superior. It's, it's shades of, actually, Mats Hummels talking about Dortmund after the, the PSV game. It's like, if you can't see the holes in that performance, I know what to say to that. So, are you suggesting that Barcelona are in a worse hole after the draw uh, than Napoli are, and will that impact on the next... Uh, leg of the draw? In a sense, yes, because I think that they are expected to go through this more. They're expected to take their place in the quarterfinals. If they lose to Napoli, it's an embarrassment, it's a sporting failure, it's um, a financial failure, and you know we all know they've got lots of financial That's, issues to yeah. deal with in the summer. It is, it is a big deal. Yeah. And I, I think... One of the major problems here is the fact that you look at that bench and Napoli, even in their diminished state, even though they've 
got to take on. They they took Fadat Skelly off, as you said, Nicky, and they had to take Aussie men off at some point because he's not really fit at the moment. Mm. And Caltona uh, had said he intended to take him off earlier, but he didn't have the moment to do it. And obviously, he scored in the bit where he's still trying to take him off. Genius, I th- I think absolute genius, genius. Caltona. Yeah, obviously, G- genius has its real luck, doesn't it? But I, <laughs> when you're I a think, baked Peter, so yeah, but I was I, waiting to do that one. Uh, for yeah, you were. <laughs> I'm sure you do again. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I think you look at the bench, and okay, you've got players who could affect the game, like Guyu, like Vitoroki, but they're not experienced players. You look at the depth on that bench; and the experience is basically Sergio Roberto, and and that mm. is it. There are more players who can affect that game from the bench for Napoli, now for Barcelona. And that is a really worrying sign. Never mind what they actually managed to do or not do in this, but it's a really worrying sign for the way they're going. But, but yeah, for, for them, they have to get through this. And they've given Napoli an opportunity in that second leg, especially with away goals not counting, that they shouldn't have given them. Whereas Napoli, if they go out, well, they've never won the European Cup. They've never got to be on the quarterfinals before. And if they lose, it's just, you know, the latest disappointment in a season full of them. Although really. I imagine their fans won't be reasoning like Andy there. They'll want to see them improve in Serie A at the very least. Yeah, I think domestically is where is where Napoli expect to see some improvement. I don't think you'd find many Napoli fans who expect them to get past Barcelona. I don't think you'd find many even when the draw was made. Neapolitan football fans... Because they are not a club that has had that historical success, there's not generally that air of of entitlement about them. There's not that expectation of what well, we're supposed to win these things. And and when so, you're saying entitlement, is Javi's face like appearing before <laughs> your eyes? <laughs> well, honestly, I, I don't know if anyone else felt this because, again, sometimes I wonder if you're sort of fitting the narrative to. I say you. I mean, I am fitting a narrative to to, to the result. But to me, Javi, even long before the end of that game, I was looking at him on the sideline. He just he had the air of, I don't mean a defeated on the night um, air. I mean like a de- the defeated man in general, a man who just doesn't look like he really sort of has that enthusiasm to be there, that he really sort of is in the place he's meant to be. And, mm. and of course, he said he's not going to be there next season. So that would make sense. Which it's is- sad given his connection with the club. It's really yeah. sad the way it's ended up given his connection with the club. Um, and, and as you say, Andy, those comments in the press conference almost reinforce it. I think from Napoli's point of view, the second leg of this is going to feel like um, the, the classic free hit. Um, they will they will have had some real time, a couple of weeks, still not much, but it's some real time for Calzona to actually implement any of his ideas. I listened to, to Juan Jesus speaking after this game. He said, what did you work on in training before this game? basically worked on a couple of set pieces. That's it. Because that's all you have time to do in two training mm. sessions. Um, and so by the time they go to to uh, to Catalonia, it's going to be a, a different situation. Look, it, it isn't the Camp Nou, so it's not that intimidating place to go that that it has been in past years. I think it's conceivable that the Napoli can find a way through this, but I think they get to go there as the underdogs. And without that pressure, for sure, they would like to get back into the Champions League race the interesting part in all this, which is sort of interesting and tedious to come back to all the time all at once, is Napoli's chance of being in the Champions League next season may be imp- impacted by how well they and other Italian teams do in this European run because there is that fifth spot up for grabs. 
and right now Italy are in in poor position for getting a fifth Champions League spot, which would certainly help their, their causes. Yeah, and no, I apologise for the bait Pete say. It wasn't even funny, but it was a pun. <laughs> but um, the thing that perhaps worries Napoli fans the most is, is this statement from the Slovak Football Association who have said, Calzona has repeatedly declared that the main priority of his activity remains the Slovak national football team and its preparation for Euro 2024. So what will they make of that in Naples? Well, the good news is, and I did think it was interesting that play was definitely going through him quite early on. The good news is he's got Stanislav Lavotka in the middle of his Napoli midfield, who is also in the middle of his Slovakia midfield. So at least that connection they can, they can justify synergy. as... Doesn't even need to make a special trip. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I look out the window <laughs> I sort of don't know what that means and I think that sitting on the sideline as a journalist of course there's going to be all sorts of things that you don't see about what a national team manager's role is but he has got Hamzik who is not giving up anything to to take on um, a, a spot with Naples right now able to to take care of some tasks for him and the reality is Slovakia have qualified for the Euros which is the most important part of preparing for the Euros so I, I think he's going to be able to give a reasonable amount of his focus to, to to Napoli in the next few weeks at least and um and and yeah look he's not there to to revolutionize I don't think anyone expects him to have the job next season obviously if they won every game from here to the end of the season that discussion might come up um but I, I think that what people want from him is to steady the ship and to um, re-implement some of those things that he might remember from working under Maurizio Sarri, Luciano Spalletti that worked and just say, you know what, enough of you have been here long enough to remember some of this stuff. Just do that again and we'll be all right. So you can definitely multitask. <laughs> well, we'll find out, I suppose. Indeed. If not, four managers this season. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
Mark my words, or should I say Mark O. Anatovic, eh? um, in the other Italian uh, fixture or part Italian fixture in the Champions League, we saw Inter uh, take on Atleti and do quite well. But that you would have expected that to happen, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, Inter are one of the informed teams of, of, of Europe at the moment. They're one of the very best teams in Europe, as, as, as Nicky has underlined before. What you don't expect is Arnautovic to have to <laughs> win the game for them. I mean, clearly there was a bit of a twist of fate in that. Marcus Turan um, getting injured in, in, in the first half. It looks like it's not quite as bad as it could have been. Mm. So... But he this, looked sharp initially with Lataro, you know, two up front. The pair of them is perfect. It looks uh, good. It's, it's, it's so good. But obviously Inter had a great rolling cast of strikers last season. I mean, they, they do have squad depth. That has been one of their strengths over the last couple of seasons. I think I felt initially at the start of this season, in keeping with their excellent summer transfer window, that they had a better rolling cast even of rolling forwards for this season. But it's just not quite worked out like that really um, Alexis who was used to being a very influential player at Marseille not just in terms of goals but in, in terms of all round play and driving the team forward has obviously suffered a little bit from being second choice um, this time and Arnautovic is, is clearly not suited to back up uh, the Arnautovic of, of Bologna over the last it's couple of years is, is not there yeah exactly different ex- ex- exactly this one needs chance after chance after chance and that's to finally in this match at least score an open goal yeah and uh, which he almost missed <laughs> I, I, I think it's a really interesting point actually whether he is someone particularly at his age you always have the feeling that throughout his career and he will say he's grown up and matured and all this sort of stuff yeah okay but I, I think clearly he's always benefited in his career from being the main guy and that goes all the way back to when Mourinho talked about him at Inter and you know back in the time where he had his boots uh, embroidered 2010 UEFA Champions League winner. He's got the experience. He's been there and done it before. He's, I mean, he's, he's got the medal, Andy. He's, he didn't he's, step onto the pitch, but he's got, got the medal. medal. <laughs> it's, it's got less dirt and fingerprints on it than everyone else's as, 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 as well. Uh, but I, I think he, he has benefited from being the main guy. Mourinho talked about him all those years ago and he said, you know, I really appreciate him as a player and a person, but he's, he's a child. You know, which I, I think is, is is pretty blunt. Now, as I said, Arnautovic would say he's grown up since then. But when he's been brought on, he doesn't really seem to have embraced the sub role because he can't switch on straight away. You talked about him missing chance after chance. It's like he's not ready. And despite the fact he scored the winning goal in this game, I come out of it thinking... I really need to ram for that second leg. And it might work out quite well, Nicky, because the grade of his injury is such that it might mean that he's going to have some league games off that they could probably do with him out without for anyway because they've got such a huge lead now, you know, nine points, which could become 12 if they win the, the game in hand. And so if he comes back for the away game at Adleti, and I think because of the enormous amount of work that Turam does off the ball, Absolutely. He's the perfect guy to play Atleti. He's like, well, you don't run like you did in 2016, do you? This is how you used to run in 2016. He would be such a good player for them, mm. actually, Turam. I 
I, we'll see on the injury. And that's certainly the noise that they're making is mm. that they reckon he could be back for the second leg. And look, no question in in my mind at all, the, the, the golfing class, I've actually been saying this for a while. I think through a lot of that team, Inter have nice replacements, but up front is where they clearly have a big drop off. Turam and, and Lataro have been so good together um, that, that no one is going to be able to step into that and, and play as well. Um, I, In terms of the second leg of this tie, I sometimes feel like it's becoming almost the unspoken thing with this Inter team. Scoring goals might not be necessary. They've kept 21 clean sheets this season. They've kept 21 clean sheets. And I'm not even sure if Jan Sommer's good or not still because he doesn't have to do anything most of the time. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's how they got how to the final. That's how they got to the final last year as well, isn't it? Yeah. But but it's, yeah. it's, it's astonishing how little he has to do, how often. I mean, this was mm. the first time since 2006, I think, that Inter have not had a, a shot on goal against them in a Champions League knockout game. So they really are defending at a, at a different level. Um, but... To, to to come back to the question, yes, there's there's a, a huge drop off between Turam and uh, and Arnautovic, and certainly if this means Turam has some fresher legs, that might be a good thing because he's because of that fact about the drop off. I think there hasn't been much rotation up front. Turam has played basically every game this season, mm. so due for a, some sort of pause. And so is Lautaro. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. But I, I think I think when you play the game the way that Turam does. Playing every game is—it's not really sustainable, is it? Mm. No, he—he's he, extremely hard running, and but they both are—they both cover mm. a lot of ground, mm, mm. Um, and and diagonal runs as well, which always seem to me to be a little bit further than you know straight runs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and so, uh, in fact, it's, I think it comes to the manner in which Marcus Turam runs as well. He's like, right, I've got my business run on now. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's the the way he sort of almost digs into the pitch as he's running. Yeah, he's he's an extraordinary player, and it's been such a. Do you remember Valerie Bortsov? Sorry to no, interrupt. No, no, go, Do you remember no, no. Valerie yes. Bortsov, who um, just strangely won the hundred meters uh, in the Olympics final in when was it? Nineteen seventy-two was it in uh, Munich? I seem to remember when these Americans who were faster than him. Um, got the timing wrong so when it was like 1500 hours for the final they thought that was five o'clock at least that's the legend but anyway interestingly enough with Valerie Bortsov the way that he ran which I wouldn't advise it's the way that you get injuries is by pounding his feet so hard on the ground that it gives him a little bit of a lift you know whereas mm. everybody else yeah. runs with high knees it looks and almost awkward the, yeah very it, awkward it is, it is similar to, to Ram in that way yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah I know what you mean I want to go and watch him do some sprints now <laughs> and, um, and compare yeah and you're absolutely right Andy the the lead in Serie A has gone in the blink of an eye frankly it's four games that Juventus haven't won in a blink of an eye it's taken Inter from being in a real title race to suddenly being completely in control of that how much do you think the Derby d'Italia has knocked the stuffing out of them oh completely it's 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 changed their outlook at Juventus massively and I think there's perhaps more to it than that I think Juventus this whole narrative that we all bought into for a, a big part of the season that this is Allegri ball winning Acortomuso by a short head and perhaps the 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 analytics types have been saying all along well you can play with fire so long but actually if you keep having your expected goals be only narrowly above um your opponents at some point you're not going to win you're going to get unlucky um the game against Verona at the weekend I think is a a great example where Follarincio just scored this extraordinary goal against them and you go well it's an extraordinary goal and, and that can happen. And maybe they've just been due for some of those things to happen because they've they've been 
treading their luck um, for a while. But do you reckon Simone Inzaghi, for example, is thinking, you talked about Inter's brilliant defence, and if they're going to get anywhere near the Champions League final again, mm. that's going to be a huge, huge part of it. And the way that they defend yeah. collectively. We talked about but, those front players and how much they do, but I, I just wonder if Simone Inzaghi, while everyone was sort of talking about Allegri and, oh yeah, he's, he's, he's made the game come to him. The way they defend, the way they pick teams off, it's magnificent. Mm. And I reckon Inzaghi was sitting there going, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> I, I think Inzaghi has been extraordinary this whole season. And I think a, a, a thing I've, I've heard said in a few places, which I completely agree with, is since going to the Champions League final last season, Inter have, have found a maturity that they didn't have. They've found a self-confidence they didn't have before that. Mm. And I think that perhaps a great illustration of that to me was in the run-up to the Derby d'Italia. Allegri knew his team was overachieving was quite shy about sort of saying the Scudetta stuff but he started to do what felt like your classic big game mind games he started talking about oh this is game of cops mm. and robbers going on at the top of the table which in the context of two clubs who've gone through Calciopoli you've had <laughs> was absolutely chosen words it was that was not that was not coincidental words from Allegri and then afterwards he was doing another press conference he said oh said something about it. Oh, we shouldn't say things like this because we know that Inter are tecci, they're permalosi. And Inzaghi's response to that, you know, of course the journalists love it. They're eating it up. Next press conference. Oh, what do you think about what Allegri said about you? Are you permaloso? And he goes, I think what he said was fine. Didn't buy it, didn't buy into it at all. Didn't treat it as serious. Didn't, didn't engage with it. So completely detoothed that accusation of being tecci. And then his team goes and wins the game. And I think that sort of willingness to just make it all business as usual is is absolutely part of, of what's been so impressive about Inter. I do want to come back to one Arnautovic because we've gone so far off him. I just want to say, absolutely not Arnautovic number one defender here because he has missed oh. an extraordinary chance this season, all season, not just on that night. There's been, that that night could have been a synopsis of. But I think actually never in his career has he been a very efficient finisher mm. I know he scored goals for Bologna last season but even if you go back to his time at Stoke when he was starting um, and you talk to fans of Stoke I had one tweeting me the other night saying this he almost has always felt like a striker who like every miss he, he has it just charges him up more for the next one and I think that as imperfect as that performance was and it was you have to give some credit for continually getting yourself in the bloody spot. minded persistence. Yeah. <laughs> because I think that actually, perhaps I could even take it a step further and say, you know what, Romney Lukaku was a great striker, but sometimes he'd miss a chance and he'd get his head get down. Even good strikers hide when they miss chances, yeah. don't they? I, I think we've seen that with, you know, Fernando Torres, like when he got into that real rut at Chelsea mm -hmm. and he'd get his head down and made loads of runs into the corner of the pitch which look very industrious for the team. Yeah. But actually, he's putting himself in a spot where he, where he can't miss again. It almost takes that extra you, bit of bravery, doesn't it, to, to get yourself in that place to miss you, again. I don't know if you saw the spot where Inaltovic was putting himself where he can't miss again. It was in the flipping defence. Almost gave away a penalty. Actually, he got away mm -hmm. with it. But you're thinking, hang on, what are you doing defending? The other moment in this game that I sort of almost don't want to get lost, and you see the opposite, which is, Defenders in the attack. De Vrij in the first half had mm. one of the best runs of the whole game when he suddenly yeah. appeared up the pitch and you realise oh, it's De Vrij, he's probably not fast enough to beat his man and he wasn't. <laughs> but but I've, I think if you're Diego Simeone, you're looking at that thinking, oh, I wouldn't mind these. I'd, 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 I'd really love these. These are, these are my kind of guys. Because 
Atletico, and he has been a staunch defender of his team because he knows that they have interpreted his blueprint, this current set of players, in a slightly different way. And you can go back to them winning the title in a not entirely Atleti way, if you go back to the the last title, um, which is, uh, the team is so different from 2014 and 2016. It's different again now. Now, I wonder if sometimes they've struggled to do things in the Champions League, Atleti in recent years. This is the first time they've been in the Champions League. We think of them as a Champions League perennial. For recent years, they are not. They are no longer that team that first succeeded in the Champions League and got to those two finals under, under Simeone. They can't defend as well individually or collectively. They can't defend their own boxes as well. And it always felt inevitable that they were going to concede a goal at some point in, in this. I don't, I don't think they came to um, San Siro thinking, right, we're just going to defend and you're going to have to beat us. Obviously, they wanted to defend well, but I would never trust them to defend like an old Atleti team did now. And funnily enough, I think in the closing stages, where it started to open up a little bit, they created enough. And we saw, we saw at least one chance where you're like aren't you a bit curious to have a little go at them? You know, almost Simeone should be giving more empowerment to the players. And and generally, he's been better at that as time goes by. Go, actually, you know, I've had my way of doing things. You interpret it as you'd want to. And you're in a spot this season where, I mean, there are a massive crossroads in this season because they've got to try and turn around this second leg. I would say Inter are quite heavy favourites. A, because they're the better team. And B, because this is not the Atletico of, of, of 2016. And C, because they don't have the kind of pressures that uh, perhaps Atleti have in the domestic competition, Copa del Rey, for example. We've already said they're into running away. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's not a done deal that they're in the top four again, which mm-hmm. I, th- I think is the most important thing because economically, Atletico, we talked about Barcelona, Atletico rely on being on the cha- in the Champions mm-hmm. League more than a lot of other teams. What, do. you reckon Girona will pip them to the post in that? Well, no, they'll 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 get in the top four, I think, but they've got to look over their shoulder. Like we saw, Athletic beat Girona on on Monday. Athletic are fire this season; they're really good. Atletico cannot be certain that they're going to make those top four. I think if because Girona, in a way, you're you're right because like Girona are kind of gumming up the top four. So if you think them and Real Madrid. It's not quite certain that they're going to make the Champions League, but it looks good for them. So that means you've got, say, two out of Barcelona, Atletico, and a very, very, very good athletic team this season. And talking of athletic, they play them in the second leg of the Copa del Rey, as you you say, semi-final, competition that have not won since 2013. They lost the the home leg, Atletico, so they've got to go to San Mames and, and beat Athletic. That's a hell of a tall order. And, you know, there are things that they can look at. but So you look at um, the, the, the fact that Rodrigo de Paul is playing much better this season than he did, he did last season. He's, he's, he's doing really well. He's grown into being an Atletico player. And he's that little bit of creativity as, as well that they need, which hopefully in time, Arthur Vermeeren can provide for them as well. But two things. Firstly, do you, you, the main thing is through two lenses you look at the fact that they're still quite reliant on a couple of players so when Morata comes on who's been injured so he's not really fit enough to start mm-hmm. at Inter 
they're completely different. Mm. All of a sudden, they're, they're a different proposition. The other thing is, the second bit of it is, when Antoine Griezmann turns his ankle, you think, shit, they're in trouble here. They cannot do without him. I, 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 I don't think that's necessarily a criticism of Atletico because you look at Griezmann, he's one of the best players in the world yeah. and there's absolutely no doubt about that. But they cannot do without him and particularly they cannot do without him in a tie against a team as industrious as Inter. Well, the maybe big managerial news of the European uh, landscape this week, perhaps not a surprise to anybody um, that's been following the Bundesliga, uh, Andy, was that Thomas Tuchel is, uh, well, he, he's not long for this Bayern Munich, is he? Well, that's the thing. that We were expecting it to end maybe in a quite different way. Like, you know, right, you're done. Cheerio. Yeah. Thanks for everything. Two-line statement on the club work, website and, and and there you go. But, I mean, I had my theory at the start of the week, which was that they won't fire him because th th there are no plays. There are no plays to make. And I think that's almost backed by the fact that you look at the people who are like sounded out for taking on the short-term role. Hansi Flick, who was amazing the first time, but he took over a team of leaders. There are no such leaders this time. There is no Alaba. There is no Boateng. Manuel Neuer's a bit diminished. Thomas Muller's just perpetually angry. Whether Tuchel's got a role in that, I, 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 I don't know. But And then the other one, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And I know there will be lo that lots of listeners. Nowhere. That came out of nowhere for me. Anyway. But it, it, it says that sometimes the best ability is availability. And, you know, that that is all that can be said for it, really. And, of course, when he arrived at Manchester United, first off, we have to say, he did have a great effect in the very, very short term. But Not, not necessarily because of his skills uh, as a manager. Yes, not exactly. You know, it, uh, that's, that's a different conversation. Okay. But if, if we keep it on, if we keep it on Bayern, that they've, they've not really taken a decision on Tuchel because is not really easy for them to do so. So I don't know if this is the the season, Nikki, of the the lame duck manager. So Javi's gonna Javi's gonna limp gonna limp through to the end of the season with Barcelona because there's no real alternative. Tuchel, well, we don't really want you and you don't really want to be here anymore, even though you've been here less than a year. So we're going to let you limp through to the end of the season. Napoli would have been happy to let Mazzari limp through to the end of the season if it didn't become completely untenable. Either. Yeah, if it wasn't nine goals in 12 games. I, mm. And and on top of that, in a very different context, but there is also Jurgen Klopp saying, I'm leaving Liverpool at the end of the season. So it is an odd season for lots of big club jobs. I mean, that's 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 the Kobe farewell tour, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. that's, that, that's, that's different. But it, it, I don't know, it almost feels like it's a trend now. Like we make our decisions about the fact that we're leaving or being pushed months before the end of the season and you have these weird elongated chapters that I'm not sure favour everybody. Now, of course, Liverpool is a different case and perhaps should be treated as such because there this is his narrative seems to be very firmly, well, it's going to galvanise everyone because it's his last go. Although I always think about 
Sir Alex Ferguson tried that and he didn't like it and then ended up staying longer, didn't <laughs> well, he? Well, so... it's not that he didn't like it. He didn't win anything that right, last season. Yeah. He wanted to well, win Well, that's why more. he didn't like it. Yeah, so, of course not. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, but it is, it is a very particular situation that you have all these big clubs um, in that spot. It does make you wonder what conversations are going to start happening behind the scenes about successes in those jobs because... I can't imagine a club like Bayern Munich or, or Barcelona is just going to sit on its hands and go, we'll figure it out in the summer. Um, Once and... upon a time, of course, if you don't mind me just throwing something in in the mix here, um, I don't think we can conclude this conversation without you know, referencing the elephant in the room, which is Xabi Alonso. And his name has come up in mm-hmm. association with this Bayern uh, possible job, but obviously I'm not... You can disagree but I don't feel that there's a snowball's chance in hell that he's going to go to Bayern however why, why, it, do, why do you feel that I mean I'm not well, disagreeing with you but yeah. why do you feel that well first of all uh, Bayern is in a mess he's better off staying where he is in that case if you're yep. going to stay there but Agreed. also also look <laughs> he doesn't have skin in their game whereas the two other suitors for his hand he clearly has well, it, a lot it, more it kind of it kind of does doesn't well, it it, yeah. Because uh, and I it, think it, I think the the thing that say Karl Heinz Rummenigge would say, and Rummenigge is a, a man not just who has a massive influence on modern Bayern and Bayern being the beer moth that they are, is excellent foresight, and I think it's notable. Well, he was still at when Xabi Alonso was still at Real Sociedad B, before he'd even been offered the Borussia Mönchengladbach job, which was over a year before he took the Leverkusen job. And he decided, no, it's not the right time. He, he just came in, Rummenigge, and said, yeah, I can imagine Xabi Alonso here one day. We are watching his career with great interest. Mm. And then he turns up at Leverkusen and he says it again. And so he's kind of getting, oh, I've got first dibs on him. I've got mm. first dibs on him. But you're right, because of the state that they're in upstairs, and you wonder with Hernes and Rummenigge, they're trying to steer Bayern in a certain direction out of these what? choppy waters. You know, they're still not that you you wonder with with Hernes and Rummenigge are they in are they out and it's a bit of both and you're right I think you look at that if you're Xabi Alonso and you think even if Liverpool don't have a sporting director at the moment they're the sure bet right Mm -hmm. also what can you offer as Bayern Munich because the other thing in my head is you've spent 100 million on Harry Kane last summer now great new manager gets to work with Harry Kane no one's gonna turn their nose up at that but it's not like you're going to get told, come in, here's a project where you can do it all your way, is it? The money's going to be a little bit tighter after that for the next summer, I would imagine, anyway. And they've got major things to do as well. Yeah. You know, they still need that major defensive midfielder. There's going to have to be a clear out as well. I mean, you look at all the fuss with Joshua Kimmich, and this is one of the things that started to make Thomas Tuchel untenable, really, is Kimmich, who had a, a terrible game in last week's uh, 3-2 defeat to, to Bochum OTC game of the week of course <laughs> we're coming to that I was oh, going to oh, 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 I'm, I'm sorry I don't oh, mean to nick your lines word, no. but <laughs> I just want to focus on, on, on Kimmich here because he's not been good for Bayern for a while they have been lining up an exit for this summer because he's got a year left on his contract with the way he's been playing and with him not really growing into the leader that they wanted they're not going to they're not going to back up the rings truck for him. You know, mm-hmm. They don't want to do that. They could sell him to PSG. They could sell him to Barcelona, finances permitting, et cetera, et cetera. 
and that would be a better solution. But God, that's such a PSG transfer, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> but but the the fact that in this game at Bochum, Kimmich plays badly. He comes off. He sits there on the bench with a face like a slapped ass, looking absolutely sulkmongous. And then at the end, he has this massive row with Tuchel's assistant, Zolt Love. And it, it, it becomes visible to some people and becomes visible certainly to journalists as they're coming down the tunnel. And Bayern just put out this, like, they'll come out and say, oh, well, you know, it's not really for public consumption. Well, don't do it in public then. <laughs> <laughs> That's the obvious answer to that, isn't it? Wait until you're back in the dressing room or even better, wait until you're back at the training centre at Sabina Strasse and have like, civilised discussion behind closed doors but they can't keep it in I know Bayern aren't the best at keeping it in at mm. the, the the best of times but it just shows like what a, a lack of control there is really at every level I'm just curious actually Andy like what you think the profile of the next Bayern manager is because I, I think maybe I'm overstating it now in my mind with everything you've just said as well like how attractive is this job to someone because I was We've been talking recently about Simone Inzaghi and how his stock is rising and assuming mm. he goes on and, and wins the league, I think he's going to be in conversations for for big jobs when they come up. But Inter is already a big job and he's got a lot of things there that he likes and that he's built and that he's managed to create organically. Would he want the Bayern job? I, I don't actually know that he would, which but, sounds yeah. extraordinary to say in some ways because it's it's Bayern. It's, it's, yeah, but that's, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? What they don't want to do is be edging towards Manchester United mm. where you're interested in the job because it's the name. Yeah. Because what Bayern have always had to recommend them above a lot of their European competitors is that stability. Mm. The fact that these guys are just going to take care of everything upstairs. All I've got to do is coach the team. Mm. That's what Pep Guardiola loved so much about being there. He didn't have to do any of the other stuff. Just concentrate on making it the absolute best on-pitch product that there is. And nothing else matters. They'll fight, they'll fight my battles for me in the media. They'll get the transfer business done. They'll crush the opposition. All that other stuff, they'll do. All I have to do is produce the football. Now, if you're Xabi Alonso, I think you're right, Don. I think you look at everything upstairs by Leverkusen. Leverkusen is a beautifully oiled machine. And even when Liverpool, say Liverpool, even when they've lost key personnel, they've known how to replace them well. Whereas at the moment, Bayern are just in this weird sort of netherworld. I don't think you want to do anything until Max Ebel comes in, which is next month, who's going to be the sporting director, even though they've already got another sporting director. How that works out and who takes what responsibility, I, th I think is, is, is still a question. And I think it's instructive, the sort of people who are briefing that they're interested in the Bayern job. So... Mourinho's interested. He's learning <laughs> of German. Course. Of course. <laughs> Conte's interested. Yeah. And in the past, I, I think, think Bayern I like would have said... I of Conte. I well, think what you just fun. said... Yeah. But, but, but it's, it's good for us. Is it good for them? But what you just said about um, you trust the club to, to, to crush everything else and you just focus on the football. I mean, that is, at the very least, it's what Conte has said he's wanted everywhere he's been. Whether or not it's really what Conte will settle for, maybe it's a different conversation. I, I don't but. think he wants someone else to take care of business for him 
I think it was he his wants... big complaint in Inter was that the club weren't strong enough in in standing up for him, and so I think if Bayern but doesn't he want someone to do exactly what he wants to do? <laughs> oh, yes, I mean that's that's slightly different, is it? Isn't it? I, th- I think it is interesting that these sort of personalities are into it. Whereas if you're Javi Alonso, you're a little bit more. You're not that sort of public firebrand, are mm. you? You know, you want I think it to be collaborative. And I, I think you look at, I agree, I think you look at that at Bayern and think, does it really work? And also, what are you going to do? Go and win the Bundesliga again. If, if, he, if he wins the Bundesliga with Leverkusen, what's the point in going and winning at Bayern? In the context of uh, the, what you describe as you know, lame duck uh, coaches announcing their departures in mid-season, as it were, in that context, have we not been here before with a kind of a stalemate of coaches waiting for one particular coach to the make housing a move. chain yeah exactly yeah. yeah musical chairs are we not in that situation at the moment would you say i think to some extent maybe yes. i mean the, the liverpool job is obviously the biggest domino to fall and a lot of us i think have jumped to this assumption that it's going to be Xabi alonso and, and certainly well, it, it fits Xabi alonso for me, it seems that he is the key to all the other um, you know, pieces falling in place. Well, so once once he's off the table, then other clubs will once change their know, list of priorities. Exactly. Once yeah, we know what yeah. he's going to do. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it'd be a bit of a weird recruitment process if you start out with Javi Alonso and you end up with Conte. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's your but, time, but, Andy. But I, I, do like, I, do like, I do like a bit of buying drama. Listen, <laughs> don't uh, we all? I, I planned to... Um, you know, fall at your feet and um, tug my forelock to you. I planned it for days ever since you, uh, well, <laughs> you gave us the advice to watch the Bayern Bochum game last week. I'm coming up to game of the week now, but did you want to take the plaudits? Look, it was fun. It was the best shout. We all we all enjoyed it. Yeah. And like, pressure on you, Nicky, like by I, the way. Like I said, we did have the Bochum goals going in and Bayern being taunted with the can-can. I mean, yeah. that was... You did. That was a lot of fun. You suggested that that was what was going to happen. It was like they were listening to OTC last week. I, thought, I, th- I think <laughs> like, that they, they had a little listen. And when... I uh, think so too, actually. Takuma Asano equalised in, in, the, in the first half, I, I counted it because I was interested to know. Oh, you counted the seconds? Yeah, they, they played the can-can for 43 seconds. <laughs> you see, if they were, if if they were, if they were non-OTC listeners, oh maybe they would have like thought 30 is probably Don't enough. Worry. It? Don't worry, Nicky. I'm setting him up for his game of the week this week. Do you want to go first? I, I'm happy to, yeah. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Game of the week. For me, it's an easy pick this week. Um, Milan against Atlanta on Sunday night. Uh, third against uh, fourth in the table, for one thing. Um Atalanta did beat um, Milan just uh, a few weeks ago in, in January. They beat them in the Coppa Italia. Uh, Atalanta have scored 17 goals in the last five games. And even better because it's the Charles... <laughs> bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Charles de Catalara derby, uh, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Charles de Catalara, who was Milan's big summer signing last summer. Uh, they paid about 30 million euros for him. There was a lot of hype around him. He then played 40 goals. 40 games for them without scoring a goal and goes to Atlanta on loan with an option to buy and uh, and he's been revived I think he's up to something like I think it's nine goals and seven assists for Atlanta this season and a lot of them coming in the last few weeks he's really starting to show his personality as a footballer and he's he's such a fun footballer to watch when he's confident he's got I keep going back to the Meza Ozil comparison for me although I know others have have compared to 
for instance, Josip Bilicic, who was such a creative force at Atlanta for a while. Um, so I think a great, a great game in store there. Um, that again, as we mentioned earlier in the show, the race for the last Champions League spot in Italy does look like it's going to get pretty fierce as well. So pressure on Atlanta to keep winning. Um, and uh, I'm going to diverge from my usual here and say because it's a Charles de Cattelara derby, I'm not going to give you an Italian dish. I think it's time for Mulfried, the mussels and chips for Sunday evening. Uh, yeah. I, think, I think that's a great choice. Although nice I, I did I did half wonder, as it's going to be quite spicy, whether you're going to go for harissa on pasta. <laughs> You, you were can, talking about you can that. Tell earlier. that story. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, we'll, we'll save that one for, <laughs> okay, for another it's a good time. one. We'll save it for a tastier dish. Yeah. And what about you, Andy? A game of the week recommendation for us? Spicy too. Uh, yeah. Bernabeu Sunday night. So you're going to have to two screen it to watch both me and Nicky's choices. It's the return of Sergio Ramos to the Bernabeu mm. uh, with Sevilla. Mm. Real Madrid versus Sevilla. Uh, this would have been a walkover even three weeks ago. Um, Severe have started to find some backbone and I don't think there's any coincidence that it's because they've made the team a little bit younger obviously the figurehead apart of from that, Sergio Ramos yeah, apart from Sergio Ramos yeah <laughs> uh, I, I think you've got to have some experience in there <laughs> haven't you particularly I, I just can't wait to see how it's going to unfold the fact that Severe are more competitive they've kept a couple of clean sheets in a row and I, I think we, we talked at the beginning about defending as a as a, as a team when we were talking about Inter uh, I think that's really important um, Isaac Romero since he's coming from the B team up front has added goals but just energy and personality and they were just like schlepping around the pitch like, I was going to say, like, John Joe Shelby playing at Rizzersport, but that would be really unfair. <laughs> a, a man who looks like he's going for a jog while a football match is on. It uh, does, But, but yeah, I, I, I think Sergio Ramos has always had it in him to, even though he's a serial winner, to be useful for a team in a relegation battle because he loves the battle. Now, this is the ultimate stage for, for him to prove it. There's no doubt about that. Look, as it's as it's in the capital, as he's, Sergio Ramos is the most Spanish man I can think of. It's got to be belt and braces tapas. We've got to get um, we've got to get the proper patatas bravas out there. Um, we've got to get some some chorizo in there. Um, we we need I'm a tortilla so española. Right <laughs> yeah, me me too. It's, it's, it's approaching that kind of time. Sergio Ramos will be hungry as well when it gets to Sunday. Sergio Ramos derby, can you call it that? Oh yeah. Well, you certainly can. Thank you for listening to On the Continent. Make sure that you join us again tomorrow for Ask OTC, where we'll be answering all of your questions about the latest news from the world of European football. And do make sure to subscribe in your podcast app so that you never miss an episode. On the Continent is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 